Please hang up and try again. Broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios. Driven by General Tire. It's Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio redefined with Kenny Sargent. We love to party. Crash Gladys. What are we doing for the bachelorette party? And Stepman. I am serious. Here's the Freaks. How you doing, Freak Nation? Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, Richard C. Suave on a Sunday night post-Formula One race in Las Vegas. We'll hit plenty of that coming up in the next two hours. You play ball with us by being a part of the MAV TV broadcast of our big-ass radio show. 90-plus stations across the country and, of course, on MAV TV. Thank you guys for being a part of this Facebook page. We're there for you. Twitter, well, X, depending on what side of the fence you are on that. We're there for you. Instagram, we're all over the social media. Uh, extravaganza for your freak nation. And again, Formula One wrapping up in Las Vegas last night, this morning, depending on where the heck you are viewing this extravaganza. We'll talk a lot about that. Your stat man scat as well. Crash Gladys, bit news and notes. And if you're a big fan of Mav TV, you saw a hell of a finale last night for the Enduro cross championship we're going to have your champion on this hour tristan hart who frankly the first two or three races thought he didn't have a chance at winning this damn thing but holy smokes he goes in there and wins the championship with the last race of a three moto series with the enduro cross uh, he'll be joining us here in the freak nation Statman and richard c suave spent more time in front of the television sit set this morning, or whatever, all right, for the Formula One race, then Crash and yours truly combined. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to use any excuses other than at a 5.30 wake-up call for a soccer tournament that I thought I was going to get a whole hell of a lot of sleep for, but I digress. Statman? There's a story there that there you'll is a, get to. <laughs> we, will, we're, we are going to get to that story here uh -huh. in the Freak Nation. So, Statman, I don't want to give away your scat, but I asked you this going into or into the show tonight about where you give this race from one to ten. And frankly, I was surprised with your rating given your the description of the race prior to me asking you that rating. And Richie, I'm going to ask your rating of what you thought of the Formula One race. But first, Statman, what's your rating one to ten, and why you give it this number? Well, I gave it a seven because. There was passing, and a lot of Formula One races, you don't have passing. The strategy comes in when you pit and what tires you have on. But they were racing, and you've got to give them credit for that. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they were racing, and there was passing at a couple of turns. Uh, and if it wasn't for, as a matter of fact, uh, Lewis Hamilton Started 10th, worked the 6th, had the tire problems, went back to 19th, and worked his all, the, all the way back up to 8th. He passed more cars than there are cars on the track. So there's a, there was a lot of room to pass, and that made for an, an interesting race. Man, that was the softest seven stat man that I've ever <laughs> heard you drop on me. In fact, I think you might want to take a step back and regrade your grade. Holy smokes. And – 
Richie, before we get to your take on Formula One's race last night, this morning from Las Vegas, all this discussion that we were having, okay, text back and forth between the four of us about the issues that the tires would have, that the car would have with the temperature in Las Vegas, I didn't see any of that uh, come race time. Were there major tire issues, guys? No, there wasn't. I didn't really hear any of the drivers complaining after it, uh, complaining about it after the race either. Everybody seemed to be fairly into what was happening. They all seemed to be excited about it. Even Max Verstappen after the race, he <laughs> won, granted, but I've never heard him be like a bigger change of tune where he was like, oh, that was great. The racing was great. It was a lot of fun, blah, 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 blah. I didn't hear a lot of guys after the race complaining, which is a good thing. That's a win for Formula One when you don't have drivers complaining after a race, right. which is easy to do. I think coming from Formula One drivers. Well, Richie, so what do you give the race? Again, you're probably the biggest proponent between the four of us when it comes yeah. to Formula One right about now. I'd say so. I gave the race an eight out of ten. I put out a poll on on Twitter asking for people to grade the race. Mm -hmm. And right now, over sixty percent of the people who voted in the poll are grading it either an A or a B. Holy which smokes. Which is terrific. <laughs> Statman, you mentioned it. There were over there were 82 overtakes in that race. <laughs> wow. Which is the second most of the entire Formula One season so far. The average number of overtakes in 2022, I couldn't find numbers for this year, but the average number of overtakes in a race in 2022 was just 37. <laughs> and this okay. had 82? Had 82. And it had we had one of the best ones, maybe in a long time, it's going to get replayed from here on out, which is Charles Leclerc passing and catching Sergio Perez to get P2 mm -hmm. in that race. On the last lap of one of the last two turns of the race, yeah. Exactly. It was terrific, which was one of the reasons to stay and watch that race for the first last 15 laps of the race because he was trying to catch him, and he caught him, and it was a terrific overtake. So I gave it a B. It was great. It had everything a good Formula 1 race needed, which is drama. It had strategy, and it had overtakes. That's all I could ask for from the Formula 1 race. I was kind of blown away. I did not expect it to be that entertaining and that good, but I was hooked. The Twitter feed was blown up. Everybody yes. seemed to be hooked on it as well, so... From the racing perspective, for that hour and a half, mm -hmm. it was a win for Formula One. I wonder if, again, if, if I would have been awake, allegedly, to watch the Formula <laughs> One race last night, I wonder how many people were watching it from the perspective of the debacle that was Thursday, the manhole cover, the issues with the track, the, the fan backlash of cutting short their practice. I'm wondering how many people were watching to see if this thing was going to blow up on them crasher uh during the race saturday night sunday morning i'd say that's a very valid question and it kind of alludes back to us all watching the chicago nascar street race and how <clears throat> please excuse me how that race coming in had so much negativity surrounding it mostly because of the weather but then somebody jumps in one of the it wasn't the pace car, was it? It was in their own car that starts driving the track. There was a lot of negative attention on the Chicago NASCAR street race. And then lo and behold, come Sunday when the race could finally get off and the weather cleared, that ended up being an epic race. And the ratings showed how epic it was as well. But again, some people did watch to see everything go to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. I do believe the exact same thing was happening here with this Formula One race. So many similarities, lots of negative storylines going into the race, but once the race actually took place, boom, everybody for the most part got what they paid for. It was it was amazing. Yeah, I think once the 
once the stuff was out of the way and once it got out of the hands of the Formula One officials and they turned it over to people who know how to race, it became a race. There you and go. opposed to a political uh, thing of, you know, who, what, where, when, why, and how. Uh, and I'm sure people, there was such a hue and cry about Thursday that people did watch to see. But I think, uh, Richie, it came to mind when you were talking about the drivers who uh, didn't have anything bad to say about it, especially uh, Max the Menace. I think what they probably got a few phone calls from people in the front office at Formula One who said, hey, cut that out. We don't need that. Shut up. If you don't like it, go home. But this is what it is, and uh, we'll pay you enough money to uh, to like this. So, yeah, I think probably a lot of the drivers said, you know, I mean, they said, hey, this is great. I love it. But there was some weirdness uh, throughout. Whenever the officials put their finger in the mix, weirdness happened. Like at the end of the race, uh, they had, instead of going into a cool-down room that they do everywhere else, they went into a cool-down car that drove halfway around the track <laughs> and did interviews in front of the Bellagio. So let's turn around and see the Bellagio fountains. Money and then when they got finished, they went, got back in the car, drove to a third place, climbed on a, a back of a, a trailer, and there they played the anthems and did the champagne spray and all of that. So surely... Some officials had something to do with that. Racing people had nothing to do with that decision. Yep. But, but frankly, if you look at Formula One, and I more Formula One than any of the series that we cover because they race in so many cities, I mean, actually in the cities and tracks around cities, isn't it about the Chamber of Commerce selling the city for millions of people to visit that city? Why do I want to go to Monte Carlo? No, that's this is different. Right? Formu Formula One promoted this. It wasn't a deal where a public-private entity put up $25 million and said, hey, come here so we can tell people to come visit Indianapolis or Monte Carlo or Jeddah, Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi, the Yas Marina, wherever. This was the, the Formula One promoted this in Las Vegas, and uh, I got my own things that we don't have to go into right now, but they cooked up, smoked up a 10-year deal with Las Vegas. <laughs> so it makes their uh, package sound that much better. They paid so much money for it, uh, what, seven years ago? And now uh, going forward, they're going to quadruple their money probably in less than 10 years. Uh, Liberty Media is not going to own this for another five years. Oh, well, let's do mark this. that time. Uh, yes, please do. <laughs> we will touch on that in the next segment following your stat man scat. Also this hour, Tristan Hart, Enduro Cross champion for 2023. You saw this crazy finale last night on Mav TV. He'll be joining us this hour. Also, David Malukas now with Errol McLaren. He'll be here in the Freak Nation. So it's a big couple of hours. The Freaks coming up. And of course, plenty of conversation about Formula One. Absolutely. Richie with a eight, Statman with a seven. Solid.
We'll be talking about the Las Vegas Grand Prix for decades, whether or not there's a second or third Las Vegas Grand Prix. For weeks, locals just wanted it to go away, and drivers who were there this weekend wished they were somewhere else. But Formula One officials, the promoters, showed their true colors in the race, and that's greed. Apparently, an untested track was open for 20 of the most sophisticated cars and drivers in the world when it wasn't ready. Two million dollar pieces of machinery were destroyed in the process. That practice session was canceled after eight minutes. The fans who paid thousands to watch that eight minutes were thrown out. Uh, for their inconvenience, they were given $200 vouchers to spend at the track store. Uh, what that means is that they'll be able to buy t-shirts so they could brag about a bad memory. And to make matters worse, a two-page release from F1 officials did everything but apologize for the mess. Things didn't improve until the race escaped the F1 deep state, which turned over to the teams, the cars, and drivers who knew how to do a race. Don't get caught up in manhole covers and cold, bad seats. This was a money grab and a portfolio play aimed at Wall Street. Global entertainment in the Nevada desert had little to do with the global race series and pre-race delays. What happened this weekend wasn't what was going on. Peace. Your stat man scat brought to you by our good friends at Lucas Oil. Do yourself a favor, Freak Nation. Go to lucasoil.com to check out a line of products to keep all of your rides in your garage out on the water talking about your boat. Fat and happy. Go to lucasoil.com. Lucasoil.com. Playing off the stat man scat regarding Formula One. Of course, more conversation about the race in Las Vegas last night or this morning, depending on where the hell you were watching it from. Stat, you were referring to the debacle of millions of dollars worth of damage to some race cars, given the issue with the manhole cover. It's a water valve cover. <laughs> okay, water mm -hmm. valve cover uh, and the issues that they had with that. But you're, you're insinuating that there's something else going on in the background that this really had zero to do about the racing uh, side of things in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I believe that. And the people that I talked with, journalists and insiders, uh, they all say that this was, uh, it was important for Liberty Media to uh, establish this uh, contract, this relationship with Las Vegas. That if they plan on selling the uh, entity, they're not, they're not racers. They made a money play at the beginning. They spent up there, reported as much as $8 billion to buy it in 2016. To buy 20, Formula 2017, One. Mm -hmm. To buy Formula One. And uh, now they're talking about it being worth $20 billion. And uh, that's why they don't want uh, and Michael Andretti involved in it, taking money out of everybody's hands. And if you could put into the portfolio a 10-year agreement with Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, uh, then that adds more to what the value of the of the sale is. So I don't think that's going to be, uh, I don't think Liberty Media is going to be involved in this uh, as owner, maybe as broadcaster, but uh, I don't think they're going to be involved in this uh, probably in five years. It'll be gone by then. Wow. Who would buy it, though? Somebody, somebody with thirty billion dollars looking to 
make it 50. Look at, look at what happened with the, PG, with the PGA and Live Golf. I mean, yeah, who do you exactly. think's going to buy it? Exactly. You know, if the Saudis, in other countries, the Saudis were, buy the stuff. Yeah, so the Saudis were turned down once when they tried to buy Formula right. One. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they want to encourage people to come visit Riyadh, Jeddah, uh, all the places, uh, Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, uh, they, you know, they hey, come here. This is where Formula One is now. Come here and, and uh, watch us cut her. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Liberty Media is not going to be a long-term owner of this deal. So you're giving them not even five more years. And uh, basically, since it was going on, just so happened the race was on the cover of it all. But all this business for Las Vegas helps to increase the value of Formula One overall by another, maybe, potentially, $10 billion? Yeah. If you had a 10-year deal with Las Vegas... One of the one of the great names in global entertainment, and uh, you, they got we got a deal to hold a race here for ten years, and uh, we're selling it to you. Five year five of those years we're selling to you. That's a that's a pretty heavy chip. <laughs> Speaking of Vegas, uh -huh. that's a pretty heavy chip to bring to the table. So uh, yeah, I mean I don't have any. I'm just connecting dots here. I don't have anybody that's told me anything uh, that. Uh, you know, it's not available, but these people are not racers. Uh, the leading stockholder in uh, Liberty Media is a guy named John Malone, who is worth eight to nine, maybe $10 billion, owns the leading landowner uh, in the United States, owns more land than the size of Rhode Island. Uh, so if he decides, I don't want to be an eraser anymore, and if people are going to complain about uh, manhole covers or seats that are cold and whatever, uh, drunks that show up at the racetrack. <laughs> I'm going to cash out of this thing. You know, who needs this anyway? I've spent $8 billion. Are you going to give me 30 now? Cool. I'm out of here. There were 80. What did you say again, Richie? 82 overtakes for the Vegas Grand Prix, which is second most on the season. What do you chalk that up to? Because uh, you, okay, you take the, the Vegas course, and I saw this on numerous courses across the Formula One circuit. It's so different than a lot of the, the circuits for Formula One, where there aren't as many turns as a number of them. There aren't in as, as many inclines or declines. What do you attribute this to, Statman? Why do we see so many overtakes on a course that, frankly, I didn't think we were going to see it? Well, it's wide, number well, one. The, the track was, in several places, the track was wide. There were a lot of straights. Most overtaking happens in braking. Uh, so there were places where you go from high speed to slow down for a turn. So that's where there were two uh, uh, zones where they opened up the, uh, the oh, I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, now. Yeah. The, the, they opened up the uh, wing so that you get more uh, able to pass. And even at the end, when uh, we mentioned earlier, when uh, uh, Charles Leclerc passed Sergio uh, Perez at the end of the race, uh, like two two corners from the end, and uh, yeah, I mean that was the uh, that was the, what they wanted to do. Once the race was taken out of the hands of what I call the deep state Formula One and all the 
backroom shenanigans going on, buying and selling a product. Once it got into became a race, then it you know that was a was a pretty interesting show where you wondered who was going to win. There were a lot of guys that aren't normally in the front, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Ocon and Gasly, and guys that were normally in the midfield or back. And uh, you know, they, some of the guys in the front, like uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, were in the back. So, yeah, there was a lot of passing going on of guys that normally in the front of the pack had to get up there. They had to pass a lot of cars to do it. Look, we hire Richie for a reason. If anything, we just need a millennial on the show. (laughs) And and if a millennial millennial can stay engaged for a full full Mm -hmm. Formula One show, that's a good judge of a race for, for me. And if, Richie, you were intrigued by the 90 minutes of Formula One racing, and you said Twitter X was blowing up yep. before, during, and after. Exactly, hey. I, which I did not expect because it was happening at 1 a.m. Eastern time. I <laughs> thought it was going to be a dead timeline, qualifying, dead right. timeline. The race, absolutely ablaze with people talking about the race. Yeah, I watched the whole thing live. and I, didn't, I, I recorded it, planning to fall asleep and watch it in the morning. But uh, I watched the whole thing live. Your Max Verstappen Red Bull with you, so you wow. could stay away. Exactly. I had my I had my Max Verstappen Red Bull in my flag, and I was cheering for him. <laughs> the whole way. Uh-huh. I'm sure you were. Imagine if this race was was playing a significant role in the championship. Ooh. How bonkers it would have been. Let's hope that happens next do, year. Do you think there would have been as many overtakes? <laughs> For the lack of a better word, I mean, he passes. You got about a minute. Yeah, it was it oh. was interesting racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the race, the track was flat. There was a little rise, uh, but the track basically was flat. Got a chance for the guys to show off their driving skill. Yeah, for a race with no stakes, I think that's what surprised me the most. Like there was no stakes in that race. There was yeah. no reason for a lot of people to be as interested or as entertained as they were, and they were. And the show was great, which is really really hard to do. And I want to continue this conversation with uh, Formula One, which is why we're doing this show live for you tonight anyway, damn it. But we're going to hear from Serge, excuse me, we're going to hear from Max Verstappen talking about the racing in Las Vegas and an awkward moment with Sergio Perez. That's all coming up. Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studio. This segment brought to you by our good friends at General Tire. Go to GeneralTire.com to find the right tire for your righteous ride, man. You got a crap ton of weather coming your way. You got winter in the works. Make sure you're rolling on a new set of General Tires, Freak Nation. Go to GeneralTire.com. That's GeneralTire.com. We got some uh, awkward moments with Sergio Perez and Bruce Buffer coming up. And Max Verstappen, spectacle versus racing, something that he talked about prior to his win in Las Vegas that we're going to get to. But how about an abbreviated version of Crash Gladys pit news and notes, Crasher? It's only abbreviated because technically, sorry, Formula One, in America, it is the offseason, but there were a few events going on. Enduro Cross is now in their offseason because of the massive finale that they had last night in Reno. Three guys entered the, well, no, actually four mathematically entered the finale weekend with a mathematical chance to win the championship. So here we go. Three motos last night. You saw it on Mav TV. Enter Colton Haker. We had him on the show just last Sunday. He takes moto number one. He takes moto number two. I think it was moto number one was a last lap pass. Just all the action was amazing. Then moto three comes in. 
the third and final moto was going to decide who was going to be the championship. Wow. Tristan Hart takes the whole shot. And on paper, Tristan Hart, whole shot to the win. But that's not how things shook out. At several moments during this race, the riders are within just a couple of seconds of each other. All the championship contenders. It was very tight. Tristan Hart takes the moto win, which makes his average work for the overall win for the night, finishing his moto second, then third, then the first. And because of that, the points, Tristan Hart is your champion. First time ever for him in the Enduro Cross series. So props, massive finale weekend. If you're not a fan now, you need to get to know this series. Enduro Cross on Instagram, get to see what they're doing. And he'll be joining us coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that's right, yes. Yep. But of course, the champion here. The Baja 1000 was this weekend. This was the second longest race in score history. Yes, it's the Baja 1000. This year's race ended up being 1,300 and, well, round up a little bit, 1,311 miles. It started at La Paz, went up through the mountains. It This was a rough course, but champions always come through. Bryce Menzies with the win, also Andy McMillan and Gustavo Vildasola Jr., your overall winners. Now, fresh off his first NASCAR Xfinity win, get this, Riley Herbst took the class win in the trophy truck spec class. He was joined by his dad, who hadn't been behind the wheel in over six years. So this was a great feel-good story as well. As well, They got eighth overall. Now let's talk about it. The Las Vegas Grand Prix. We've been talking about it all show anyway. Formula One, their debut in Las Vegas, came into the weekend with a slew of negativity. Locals were upset. And then Thursday blows up with water valve cover, basically taking out one, two cars. Bottom line, though, when it came showtime, Vegas delivered. Like Richie said, 82 passes in this race. When the Formula One average on a typical race is in the 30s, wow. if not lower, this was what the fans paid for. They overall arguably got what they paid for when it came time to deliver on race time. Max Verstappen was your winner. And don't just look at that on paper either and say, oh, yeah, well, he's won just about everything this year. He had to earn this one. Loads of passes, lots of fun. Well done, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Crash Gladys, the abbreviated version of Pit News and Notes. Again, brought to you by our good friends at General Tire. Go to GeneralTire.com to find the tires for all your rides, SUV, sports car, sedan, passenger They've got them. Winter weather's coming up. Make sure you have a new set of General Tires. Go to GeneralTire.com. More on Formula One. Didn't see this. Richie and Crasher pointed it out to me. It is an awkward, a very awkward moment where Bruce Buffer is introducing the drivers. And according to if you watch when you if, if you're watching us on Mav TV, you'll see this awkwardness between Sergio <laughs> Perez and Bruce Buffer, where Sergio's just kind of looking around like, what the hell do I? <laughs> All right, just just give a watch on what happened between Bruce Buffer and and Sergio Perez. For riding champions, Red Bull! He's a multiple race winner from Mexico! It's Sergio Checo Perez!
know what they're doing, man. That is so good. <laughs> I mean, he says Sergio Checo Perez, and he's slamming the microphone in Sergio's face, and then they just stop and they stand there, and they're both kind of staring at each other, like, <laughs> "Now what?" Okay, and I think even Perez said, "Where do I go?" <laughs> Can we watch that one more time? Sure. All right. <laughs> For reigning champions, Red Bull. He's a multiple race winner from Mexico. It's Sergio Checo Perez. Go ahead, Richie. Richie, he's right. Yeah. Now say it again, Richie. It's like the stare down of a main event for a mixed martial arts (laughs) boxing match. And Sergio gets within probably a foot of Bruce Buffer's face, and they're just staring at each other. This is for our radio audience, and they have no idea what's happening. <laughs> Neither one of them do. Yeah. It's very weird. Max Verstappen spoke to the press again a few times, but one in particular is there's a sound bite. It's two and a half minutes. There's a couple of sound bites here where, and this is and prior to him, of course, winning the race, what Max Verstappen thought about the race, and thought about Las Vegas. Uh, Pretty descriptive on what he felt or how he felt about the fans and the race itself. I feel like, of course, a kind of show element is important, but I like emotion. And for me, when I was a little... What? He likes emotion? (laughs) The Drago face... For <laughs> likes emotion. The emotionless. The emotion, emotionless driver on the planet <laughs> makes a cadaver look like a freaking spectacular dolphin. <laughs> just listen. Just listen to what he yes. says here, Kenny. Yes. For okay. love of goodness, right. he actually makes some good points. So he one does. more time, okay. he'll ever do so. All right, Statman loves it when I crack on Verstappen. <laughs> I feel like. Of course, a kind of show element is important, but I like emotion. And for me, when I was a little kid, it was um, about the emotion of the sport, what I fell in love with, and not the show of the sport around it, because that's, I think as a real racer, that shouldn't really matter. I mean, a car, first of all, a racing car, Formula One car, anyway, on a street circuit, I think doesn't really come alive. It's not that exciting. I think it's more about just the proper racetracks. You know, when you go to Spa, Monza, you know, these kind of places, they they have a lot of emotion and passion. And for me, you know, seeing the fans there is incredible. And for us as well, when I jump in the car there, I'm fired up and I love driving around these kind of places. And of course, I understand that fans, they need maybe something to do as well around a, a track. But I think it's more important that you actually make them understand what we do as a sport because most of them just come to have a party, drink, see a DJ play or a performance act. I mean, I can do that uh, all over the world. I can go to Ibiza and get completely faced and, you know, have a good time. But that's what happens, you know, and actually people, they come and they, they become fan of what? They become, they want to see maybe their favorite artist and uh, have a few drinks with their mates and then go out and have a crazy night out. But they don't actually understand what we are doing and what we are putting on the line, you know, to perform. And I think if you would actually invest more time into the, the actual sport, what we're actually trying to achieve here, you know, to, as a little kid, 
we grew up wanting to be a world champion, if I think the sport would put more focus onto these kind of things and also explain more what the team is doing, you know, throughout the season, what they are achieving, what they are working for. These kind of things I find way more important to look at than just having all these random shows all over the place. For me, yeah, it's not what I'm very passionate about and I like passion and emotion with these kind of places, which I love Vegas, but not to drive in a funk. I love to go out, have a few drinks, throw everything on red or whatever, you know, to be a bit crazy, have a nice food. But like I said, emotion, passion, it's not there compared to some old school tracks. So when he said throw everything on red, is he betting on Ferrari? Oh, <laughs> like that. And oh, yeah, those legendary tracks, Coda, Austin, been there for what, eight years? Come on. No, I All just right. think it's interesting. He says anywhere on a street circuit that the, any any street circuit, I forget how he phrased it. No, nowhere on a street circuit does an F1 car come alive. Bro. Kind of put that to <laughs> that didn't age well. Let's put it that way, because last night cars were alive. Drivers were alive. The race was alive. Freak Nation, his name is Tristan Hart. A hell of a finish last night on Mav TV. Enduro Cross champion. Tristan Hart, next. Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studios. Back with the Freaks, 23-plus years of doing this thing from the Lucas Oil Studios, the Freak Radio Network, and, of course, on Mav TV. Uh, Enduro Cross wrapped up last night in Reno. We got your champion here in the Freak Nation, Tristan Hart joining the freaks and Tristan looking at your trek through the Enduro cross series this year, you didn't give yourself a shot at all over the first couple of races. And now here you go, uh, the doing what you needed to do last night in Reno to win this championship. When did you have any inclination that you could win this damn thing? Yeah. I mean, it started off pretty rough. I got two fifth places. Uh, it's been, a, it was, you know, a long time since I had a fifth place and, I got two back to back to start the year. So my phone was pretty quiet after those. No <laughs> one was talking to me. I don't think anyone was talking about me. And I was definitely not in the conversation for the championship. And then uh, we got a new suspension setting. And I also, uh, I skipped on a trip to Europe. I didn't go to a race I was supposed to and got some extra rest that I think made a big difference. And I won two round three and four. And then there was just a massive turning point in the series. Uh, Johnny Walker, he won the first two, and he won all six motos. So he was, at that point, pretty... It was almost a for-sure thing he was going to win the championship, I guess everyone would be saying. Mm -hmm. And then I won those next two races, and he kind of was off his game. He got a fourth and a, a second or a third, maybe. So I could just... He was making little mistakes that normally he didn't do, and... You know, then the next one, I got a second and he got a third. And I think the championship pressure kind of got to him. And it was pretty similar to what happened to me last year. I had a big coins lead and I kind of cracked under pressure. So I knew exactly what he was going through. And, you know, the, the pressure that goes along with being expected to maintain the points lead, which he had at that point. Tristan Hart, Enduro Cross champion for 2023. Of course, which you saw the finale last night on Mav TV. 
Are you saying that, and again, you hear Supercross riders talk about this for the motocross season where their body is just beat up so much from the Supercross season. Are you saying that trip to Europe maybe helped your body to where you could be in tip-top shape for the rest of the Endurocross season? Yeah, so I had two races in Europe in between uh, the Endurocross. So I went to one, uh, got a, another fifth. So I had three fifths back-to-back, which <laughs> I don't, I've never done that before. So that was new. And then there was another one in Germany, and I ended up not going due to a couple of reasons. I got sick and some other stuff, too. So I rested up for a week instead of taxing my body even more. And and then I came back and finished the season strong from there on out. So it was a, it was a pretty good decision, I'll say. Oh, without question. Tristan, you mentioned in, I believe it was your first answer, that last year when you had a pretty good points lead, you cracked under pressure. Last night was nothing but pressure, and you did no cracking whatsoever. You went into that last moto. Did you have to win in order to clinch the title? And how did you just basically compose yourself to make it happen? Yeah, so going into the night, it was a pretty tricky situation because not only did I have to win, but Johnny had to get third because he was seven points (laughs) in front of me. So even if I did everything I could in, in one there was a chance I still wasn't going to win the championship because I needed someone to have a good night and beat Johnny. And if he was on his game, I mean, not many guys could beat Johnny. So I was a little unsure on how it was all going to play out, but it was a lot less pressure than last year because I mean, there wasn't like a, it wasn't super high percentage that I was going to win. I'll say because I needed someone to beat Johnny. And so I just went into the night pretty chill, honestly. Like it was a uh, one of the least stressful races I've ever done in my life. And that might be crazy for some people to believe because it was a champion, my first Enduro Cross championship on the line. But honestly, I was just super cool and uh wasn't too stressed. And kind of the the first moto, I almost won. Uh one lap to go. Colton got me. I got second. The second moto, uh I kind of had a crash, blew blew that a bit and uh came back to third and then the last one it was probably the craziest race of my life and everyone else (laughs) that's ever seen an enduro cross race because there were six of us battling the last five laps and johnny was in there colton was in there cody webb cooper and me and uh yeah i got the win in that and colton crashed and johnny i think went backwards too and uh, I just saw my mechanic running to me after the <laughs> the finish line, and I just started revving my bike and doing a burnout because I'm like, I must have won. <laughs> no. Oh, so you still weren't told it yet, but clearly you could tell by body language that you were yeah. the champ. Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure, but this series I feel like has taken a couple championships away from me. So I just, I'm like, there's no way the Endurocross gods took another one from me. So I was just celebrating. I'm like, I had to, I had to have won this one. So now what do you do to celebrate? Did you have a big party last night to celebrate? Or are you still in kind of quasi business mode, wrap up a few things before the holidays, and then you can celebrate? Uh, No, we celebrated last night. We all went out to the casino and uh, won some money, lost some money, had some drinks and had a good time and stayed up way too late. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope. That was a celebration. Nope, (laughs) nope. Never too late. Yeah. Tristan Hart is the Enduro Cross champion. He kind of glossed over this, but from what I read last uh, and the report last night, 
uh, Colton won the first two motos, and then he dropped way off. I guess from what you're saying, you you were just out there. Did you? What happened? <laughs> How did you win? Yeah, I mean, the way Endurocross has been the last two or three years, like no matter what happens, the first moto or the second moto, going into the last one, nothing is for sure. Like you just. You're not guaranteed anything in Endurocross right now. So you have to fight every lap and every position. You have to fight for that. And it showed last night. Uh, I was pretty much guaranteed a second overall, which may or may not have been good enough to win the championship. And uh, I found myself in the lead uh, with four or five laps to go. And Colton was actually in third. So if it would have stayed like that, he would have got the win and I would have got second. But then... I think Cody Webb hit his rear tire, made him crash, and then he had another crash after that. So he got a sixth, which I think gave me the the overall by one point. So that was a pretty crazy way to end the night. And honestly, I mean, that one might go down in history as the craziest uh, race ever in Endurocross. That's so crazy. In, in any activity, when the entire championship comes down to – two or three laps after a whole season. And that's the way it was with you. That must've made the celebration that much better last night. Yeah. The, the whole thing came down to six minute. I mean, I've been doing enduro cross now 11 years and it all came down to one six minute moto to get a championship. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like a crazy situation, but like I said, I was just super cool and it really didn't phase me. I was, pretty comfortable i was going to win that last moto i got the whole shot which i knew was going to be key because we were all pretty similar in speed and then the rest was really history after that it was really fun to watch i mean that was, i mean we were on the edges of our seats we're just like oh, wait, what just happened wait oh wait they're all together but can i chime yeah. in here just a second before you get the hell out of here tristan hart your enduro cross champion a dude that parties after a race win like that doesn't have, if you look behind you, doesn't have go-go yogurt or go-go applesauce. Behind, look behind you, man. What the hell is that? <laughs> that's actually, is my friend's van. It's, that's his food. Sure <laughs> it is. <laughs> Our daughter uses those. Who the hell parties with go-go yogurt or go-go applesauce, man? Look at that behind you. Yeah, we we definitely try and eat pretty good, and we're definitely when I say party, it's not like normal people's party. It was probably three or four drinks, and I'm like blacked out. I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you have to be healthy all the rest of your season. So yeah, yeah, yeah alcohol well. hits me hard. <laughs> all right, so what is what is? Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, Tristan Hart, what what do you do from now? What 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 do you do now? Frankly, um. I'm going to be taking five or six weeks vacation now. So won't be on a dirt bike for over a month. So uh, I'm already kind of looking forward to riding again, but it's also important that I give my body the rest so I can come back next year and try and repeat, which would be a uh, pretty massive to repeat. So that's the goal. That a boy freak nation, Tristan Hart, your 2023 enduro cross champion, which again, you saw, the series on MAV TV and a hell of a final last night. So much for a freaking playoffs. No yep. playoffs needed nope. for the Enduro Cross season. Nope. Holy smokes. <laughs> Buddy, happy holidays to you, man. Thanks for taking time out to join us here in the Freak Nation, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.
Dude's a badass, Tristan Hart. Again, your 2023 Enduro Cross champion. You saw the finale, crazy finale last night on MAV TV. More freaks coming up. Speed Freaks Pits and Lucas Oil Studios. Please hang up and try again. Broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios. Driven by General Tire. It's Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio redefined with Kenny Sargent. We love to party. Crash Gladys. What are we doing for the bachelorette party? And Stepman. I am serious. Here's the Freaks. Big second hour, Freak Nation. Coming up this hour, your Trans Am champion, Christopher C. Dyson, will be here in the Freak Nation. IndyCar Series pilot now running for Errol McLaren for the 2024 season. David Malukas will be here in the Freak Nation. Be sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, therefore you're on Facebook. And if you're not familiar with Speed Freaks, man, we've been doing this for over 23 years. Started on one little old radio station in Los Angeles. Now we're on 90 plus stations across the country, including Cluteus, Cluteus, Maximus, <laughs> Sirius XM, and every audio app that you can imagine. And now, uh, again, with our fine folks at MAV TV, happy to be a part of this big old thing. Lots of Formula One conversation last hour. I'm sure we'll have more this second hour, given what it did or didn't do, depending on what side of the fence you're on with Formula One. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Statman Scat coming up as well. But talked a little bit about this last hour. And let me back up a second. Crasher and I have been married for many years, all right? We have a nine-year-old daughter with us. And anyone that has a son or daughter that's an athlete, they know all about tournaments or playing games with that, with whatever sport that, that it, volleyball, soccer, football, baseball, there are tournaments. And our daughter is a soccer player. She's playing with the club soccer team. So there's tournaments and tournaments and tournaments and tournaments. And the game today, Sunday, was supposed to be later in the morning. Where I might be able to stay stay up, see a little Enduro Cross Championship run on Mav TV, then float into Formula One. No, what happened with her game? It was part of her game on Saturday was rained out, so they moved it to today, but earlier, <laughs> seven thirty earlier, way earlier. That game is thirty minutes from here. They and need she to, be has there. to be there thirty minutes early. Yeah, she needs to be there at seven o'clock. And it's her and her friend who's staying here at the house with us. So we got two nine-year-olds that we've got to get to bed and then get up at 5.30, 5.45, slap them in the car. Here, eat some freaking Fig Newtons, get some energy, <laughs> and we're going to get you to the game. That's no lie. So what is a, uh, what is a fine, respectable, dedicated father do? Stat man crash, Richard C. Swabby. I had every intention of getting to bed. I had to blow off the Enduro Cross. I had to blow off Formula One so I could get to bed and be rested to assistant coach my daughter's team. Okay? That didn't happen. Well, I got to bed early. Yeah. But I took an ambient because I wanted to sleep solid, <laughs> get to bed fast. Bam, I'd be out. Alarm would go off at 530. I'd be up. The problem was I picked up my damn phone when I took the ambient. And that's after about four Jack and Cokes, okay? <laughs> Texas won, so I was stoked. Who, do, who knows what 
freaking Texas alumni was freaking tweeting it last night or Xing it. Here's the deal. We have a history of it, of this at this household. Ambient and cell phones never mix. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. And please, well, ambience and life happen. don't mix. You need to have every intention to go to sleep. Right. Don't walk around the house working out. And so, no. no. When you take an ambient, you go to freaking bed, lights out. Get okay. horizontal, make the room dark, bye. I picked up my damn phone, saw Richie busting his butt with our social media on Mav TV with his Enduro Cross race. And evidently, I started watching Enduro Cross. Evidently. I evidently. <laughs> well, that means I woke up this morning, felt pretty good, still a little groggy from the ambient. You know, it kind of kind of gives you that feeling, might be hung over a little bit. Picked up my phone, like, again, any decent human does, make sure the world's not on fire. And uh, what are these texts? What are these, what's this one text with all caps? What's this one text with a heart in it? What's Crash doing? Crash comes upstairs. Good morning. Hey, what's going on? Because she zonked out with wine in her hand. Oh, yeah. So I, have a story I said, Crash, own. what were you doing emailing somebody last night? And, and I'm what? like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't do all caps. What the hell's going? Oh, you're showing me on your phone. On my phone. And I'm like, Kenny, right? That's your phone. Yep. Those are your texts. And who was this to? I, you know what? If there wasn't evidence, I would deny that this happened. <laughs> <laughs> AI was, did it. There's AI. Right. Was it See, to? it was oh, AI. AI. <laughs> nope. Who was it to? I was texting the president of Mad TV. <laughs> over and over and Thank over. Thank you. Not once. You gotta, no, you got to read at least one. I am. <laughs> read at least one. Not twice. <laughs> He's probably going to appreciate Barbara me. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Shut up with the claps. <laughs> So this started, the, my first text was at not, oh my gosh, my first text was at 947. <laughs> and remember, this is the president of a major network, dude. Dude. Okay. He, he gave it a thumbs up. Dude. 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 Watching Endurocross. Stop. So much we could add outside of social. Heart it. <laughs> <laughs> exclamation how did I, how first of all everything is spelled correctly here okay good what uh, and then he texts back moto 2 was hectic exclamation like please kitty don't text me again oh yes i do <laughs> <laughs> racing baby period it's why we're here period in capital letters lfg period no he didn't stop he didn't oh, respond man. to that one Oh, in all caps, <laughs> all caps, all caps. The coverage looks F I apostrophe N G effing greatness. Nice work, period. If we can belt, we're here for you. There's one, two, three more. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to the folks who are watching us and or listening that get secondhand embarrassment really, really bad because. Are you embarrassed for me, Richie? I think yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys are screaming at each other across the country. You know, I mean, <laughs> you got all caps. 
raging back and forth yeah. across the world? No, it was he just texted once and I got one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> and then I went until I calmed down this morning. Texting, no, 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 but, no, no. You no, hold on. What? The story's not over uh, yet uh, because I knew something was going on when uh, Richie and I get a text of you making a video of Enduro Cross. <laughs> and yeah. it turns out this is live on our social media. This is live on official Speed Freaks yep. Instagram. You can go to it now. <laughs> <laughs> you went live <laughs> and I've, I've watched some of it you know I, I i was never a dude that could listen to my air checks or go back and watch shows to critique myself i'm just <laughs> it's so painful but i went back and watched this and it's so freaking painful i'm on my phone like this going okay I'm, i don't look that drunk it was, right hey, the mood lighting was great like the mood lighting was top notch omar so, gets in the shot our cat oh yeah okay so uh, it's the, the I'm Instagramming live, live Instagram, and it starts out on me, and then I turn it, and I, I'm going, I'm, my phone is live coverage on Mav TV of the final race of a Duro Cross. Like, what, what a jerk! I'm gonna get a freaking cease and desist from my own boss that you were texting last night. I was honestly, I'm glad you're telling this story because when I I was on Instagram last night for map tv and i saw that speed freaks was live and i was like why in the world is speed freaks live right now we should not be live nobody oh told God. me about this and i did not watch it because i was like i don't know what i'm gonna be watching i don't want to see this <laughs> if anybody knows about our social accounts it's richie so you saw it going live and you're no, like what no. Honestly, I'm what? kind of surprised that you knew how to go live on Instagram on Ambient and with Jack and Coke in your system. Because I don't even know how to go live on Instagram, so I kind of have to give you some plots for that. Gosh. <laughs> and um, I don't remember it. There, well, my, the my cat makes an appearance in, in the video. That's but probably the way how you worked it out. Omar said, hey, do it this way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or Omar goes, oh, no, my my boss, my, my, my human boss, my owner <laughs> is on Ambien. I got to get him off. He probably tried to step on my phone. <laughs> yeah, he's like pawing at the phone. Well, meanwhile, back to that sleep conversation. Right. You we've got. Henley, our daughter, mm -hmm. and her friend in sleeping right next door to you, yep. and you're getting all excited with this Enduro Cross finale, and oh, 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 and it, that's all on video, yeah. too, on the Speed Freaks yeah. Instagram. <laughs> and then she comes in. If you watch this to the very end, she comes in, Dad, I can't <laughs> sleep. Dad. <laughs> she didn't get on video, thank goodness. No, but you can hear it. Oh, my God. And you, then Kenny just goes to, oh, sorry, babe. And that's all on the video. <laughs> oh, sorry, babe. I just like the Richie's embarrassed for me. I am. It's been a while since I've gotten like red faced on a show. And this is the first time it's happened in a while. What did you call it? Secondary embarrassment? Secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's a, you didn't know that was a thing? No. no yeah, this is a thing. Yeah, people get all the time. I have a bunch of friends that have, it that, that have that where they can't watch something that's super duper awkward because it gives them anxiety. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Second you live in an entirely different time oh. zone, don't you? Gosh. All right. Okay, so then that went into Formula One? Yes. Yeah, it did. And you don't remember that either? No, I don't. We got a break. So there you go. <laughs> Jack Daniels, Ambien, Formula One, and Durocross don't mix, Freak Nation. 
Uh, his name is David Malukas. He's now running for Errol McLaren IndyCar Series for 2024. He joins us next. So David Malukas, back in the Freak Nation. He's been in here several times, and we try to get some good sound bites out of the guy. We don't have to try. This guy just drops all kinds of bombs. I tee it up, and he uh, he goes for it. But Malukas, uh, how you doing, buddy, now with this new gig? Uh, I am doing very, very good. Uh, can't stop smiling. Every day I wake up, and I smile. Go to bed. I'm smiling. I'm dreaming. I'm smiling. It's... Uh, Living the best life that I can here at Arrow McLaren. Can I share something with you? Uh, given the fact that you're hopping to a team where you know damn well, and I'm not knocking any of your previous teams, but it's nice to hop into a team. And I bring this up to the point knowing that when you reach over there, hit the key and turn the engine on, it's going to start. Because uh, with this interview that we had with you last time, uh, watch this. Um, this is uh, That's you here in the Freak Nation, and that's uh, that's no audio. Oh, that was on you, Kenny, not yeah. David or his former team. Yeah. Wait, we had no audio. Yeah, no audio, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a damn good interview. Too. Oh, no. oh, it was so good. There's so many good clips from that. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so unfortunate. My, my, so, so my point it was this is uh, you're you're hopping on a on a team that is incredible when it comes to production of a race car and performance on a racetrack that uh, I hope you don't have to deal with speed freaks every now and then uh, learning how to um, provide audio on an awesome interview. That was uh, kind of sucked butt that we couldn't uh, <laughs> put that thing on air. <laughs> yeah, that's really unfortunate. That was a really good interview. High energy too, right after the race. There's a lot of good bits that you could have collected from that. Oh, I'm so sad. I was so excited for that to go to go up. And oh man, there's no yeah. audio. Well, yeah, that of course was post-race worldwide technology raceway, where again you finished on the podium. And now with Errol McLaren, it's a team that a lot of drivers would like to be a part of. Can you run us through uh, beginning to end on when you started to get the contact of, wow, this might be possible? So it first started to come together in Nashville. Um, that's when I first started to talk to to Zach and Sam Schmidt. Um, they obviously showed interest and told me about the possibility. Um, and, you know, the, very soon after that, I'd say it all kind of got wrapped up within a month. So going into the final few races of the season, I already knew. Uh, and I was trying very much to keep it within me to not uh, spoil or say anything <laughs> about it. Um, so, yeah, it was really good. I tried to do like little hints on my Instagram stories and stuff. Nobody noticed. I was putting like the papaya colors everywhere, um, trying to hint at it, little Easter eggs. But uh, nobody caught on. Actually, I think somebody caught on at Laguna. I took a picture of the corkscrew and I was like, wow, what an incredible place. And there's actually a bunch of McLaren, uh, Aaron McLaren uh, people right at the bottom of the hill. So uh, somebody pointed that out. They're like, oh foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> yay somebody's paying attention out there so basically let's go back to that interview without audio after your podium at worldwide technology raceway you knew then and you gave us no easter eggs or at least we wouldn't know because we have no audio <laughs> yes i couldn't uh, i couldn't say anything but i was so excited at the back of my head i really wish i could say something but uh, i was i did a really good job keeping it in it was it felt a very long time for me every did week. They ask just, you, nice. They ask you just to keep to do your best to keep quiet, or we're going to have to uh, let you go before we even <laughs> hire you. Well, I mean, it probably wasn't that serious, but that's how I took it, you know, because I'm like Aaron mm -hmm. McLaren, you know, and they're like, you got to stay quiet, and I'm like, okay, okay, I won't say anything, <laughs> I won't do anything, <laughs> whatever you want, I'm doing it. Uh, but yeah, I was, uh, I was trying, to, and it, the thing it was actually a lot of fun seeing um, 
all the, the fans and the community trying to figure out what's going on and where I'm going when I like already know like the spiel of not just me but like all the drivers and I'm just like sitting in the background just like eating my snacks just like he nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> that's tremendous now you just said whatever they say I'll do Hold on, though. I know you're relocating from Chicago to Indianapolis. That's awesome. But that was your decision, not theirs, correct? Yes, that was my decision. So that's something that I've always uh, dealt with um, going throughout my whole racing career is that I want to be near the shop, wherever it may be. So since they're based down in Indy, um, that for me was obviously my call to, to go down there. Uh, and I'm very excited. I've been wanting to move to Indy just to be you know, near all the drivers and all the people that I now know all live in Indy. So I think for me, it's going to be better. And I've wanted to make that decision. But since I was with DCR um, previously, they're right down the street for me, 15 minutes here in Chicago. So I just want to be with the near the shop so I could be with the guys, be with the team, especially now that it's new. Everything's new for me. And there's a lot of people. I want to build all the chemistries, build the relationships. So by the time next season starts, we already have our lingo and we're already having a blast out on track. So who's giving you the best advice as to where to live is it your teammates either pato or alexander rossi or like we talked about in the past with you a couple of times your idol scott dixon yes so i actually managed to talk to scott dixon about it when i was at the milwaukee mile because we were both at the press conference um, and so far everybody i've talked to from drivers to mechanics to engineers to just people in indy uh, everybody says carmel is where you want to be so <laughs> i will be uh, moving in the carmel area Zionsville's not too bad. I'm a Zionsville graduate. I got to say I'm a little biased to that area as well. But yeah, you can't go wrong. Indianapolis is a great city. You're going to you're going to love it. Just uh, don't swim with Pat McAfee in the Broad Ripple River. Oh, oh OK. All right. Sounds good. I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you has has there been team meetings with the other drivers at this point? Yes, there there has been. Um, we've done, you know, a, a, a few different couple of meetings. Um, here at Aaron McLaren, they're very structured. They they have you know plans for everything, and I've managed to to actually test with both drivers. I tested with Pato in Sebring, and I tested here with Rossi at uh, at Indy. So managed to get already a feel of with both drivers, talking with them, communicating, um, and overall as just the team in general. And so far, it's been very good. Um, Pato and Rossi are very good in their own ways. So it's just uh, I'm trying to absorb as much information and write as many notes as I can. So when I come home, I kind of just study between the two and make sure that I'm very much ready when 24 comes. I just don't know with uh, Alec Alexander Rossi, such a bombastic, loud, suck the air out of the room personality, how you two are going to get along. <laughs> it's a really good relationship, I think, for the three of us. It's kind of like Rossi's going to be our dad taking us to the track. Uh, that's kind of the way things have been shaping up, especially through content day. You know, I just recently did a, a previous podcast and they asked, you know, if you did a road trip, who's driving and who's, who's in the backseat? And I'm like, well, me and Pato are definitely in the backseat listening to some jams when Rossi's driving us to the track because it's that's just the relationship it is. It's the dad <laughs> taking the kids to the track. <laughs> Wait, so what are the jams? I mean, if this is Pops taking you guys to the track, what are his jams? Well, Rossi's jams are, I don't, they're very, they're, they're, I guess you'd say they're like alternative or more like, I don't know, like music you would listen to at like a campfire. Like, I, I don't really know. It's nothing really what? like intense. So for me, it's, it's very just mellow and same kind of beat throughout. It's not really for me. Um, so, yeah, that's hopefully he doesn't have the ox. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Is Rossi like Tom Petty Eagles or is it even more is it is it more alternative? Like you did say alternative. I, 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 don't, not alternative. I, I don't really I don't really know because I'm not really in that realm of music, you know, for 
for me. It's like, I've, that's just something I never really kind of listened to. It's something that, you know, it's good to play in the background when you're studying at a coffee shop, but I didn't know people listen to that, like, you know, all the time, like on a daily. So I don't know. Yeah. So, so I don't know. That's to me, it sounds like his taste of music is like background music. So it's yacht rock. Ah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's, I guess that's a way of putting it. Yeah. What is Malukas's take? I mean, what is your, what's your, your, basically your playlist? Well, my playlist has an incredible variety. Um, I listen to so many different uh, genres of music, but let me pull up my gateway playlist um, that I created uh, just to get kind of a, a, a feeling for it. So you, yes, I have Spin Me Around. Podium. Right, yeah. So I have Spin Me Around, Dead or Alive, Smooth Criminal, Michael Jackson, yes. um, Ella Bea Sola uh, by Peso Pluma. Um, we got Cantina Band by John Williams from Star Wars. A lot of variety there. We have Rasputin, great song. We, but we also have some more recent stuff like Post Malone, Olivia Rodrigo, oh. um, Master of Puppets, Metallica, Frank Sinatra. Oh. I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan. Um, so that's, I guess, something that people were a little bit surprised by. But it's a large variety, large variety. Allure's on Dance, which is like a French song. I really like that. So this is variations. Wow. This is your playlist. This is what you roll into. I mean, you, you're listening to this before you hop in the cockpit. Oh yeah, like this is the the stuff that I listen to. Um, there's also you know a few songs that are more like kind of like get you up, motivating, like you could do this kind of like you know mm. that type of stuff to get you in the game. But anytime I do that, I get a little bit too excited and I make some stupid moves. So I kind of just listen to some yeah. Michael Jackson, <laughs> just something yeah. that gets me in the mood. Smooth Criminal, love that song. So wait a minute. You just called that your gateway playlist. That was your St. Louis playlist. You have a yes. different playlist for every track? Well, this is just the one that I created for IndyCar for uh, for gateway. But yes, there's some variations depending on the the you know the time of, of the season, if it's spring or summer, and what tracks fit it best. You know, Spin Me Around is definitely a gateway classic or Around the World. Uh, those are normally oval songs for me. <laughs> It's awesome. Hey, buddy. Uh, happy New Year. Happy holidays. I know it's only freaking October. We just thought we'd get, to get it over with right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, it's not getting it over with. I love these moments. I love you guys. Speed Freaks. That's the yeah. way to go. <laughs> Malukas. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thank you guys for having me. It's All a right, blast buddy. as always. Freak Nation, Chris Dyson, 2023 Trans Am Champion. Joining us here in the Freak Nation, and it's always fantastic when he rolls in the Freaks, the Lucas Oil Studios, 23-plus years of doing this, and Dyson, it's another championship in your favor. But when you look at really what you've done and how you continue to do this, I don't understand why Chris Dyson isn't up there on Mount Rushmore discussions <laughs> on you being such a dominant sports car pilot. Chris Dyson? Are you one of the greatest sports car drivers ever in the history of mankind? Well, I'll tell you, that's uh, that's a hell of a lead question, there, guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're we're still in uh, we're still actually, I think, in the point of active career. So, you know, for me to sit here and talk about all time stuff, it feels kind of retrospective. I'm not ready to do that. I mean, I like, uh, I, you know, I've had a great career. Uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I think we've been successful and competitive. Kind of everywhere we've run this is our fifth championship we've uh we finished in the top two i think half the time we've been running in full season championships i've I got a lot of great guys that i've been racing with my whole career so to sit there and say i'm 
you know, I'm the greatest of all time. I mean, I, you know, one of my favorite sports heroes ever is the only guy I think that can uh, lay claim to saying that. Which well, is who? Uh, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Oh, geez. The, 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 well, I, the OG I, goat. Okay, yes. I'm not saying – I said Mount Rushmore. There's usually four heads on Mount Rushmore, Dyson. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead, and they were all presidents, and I'm neither of those. Well, I, I think what I'm getting at, Chris, is really what you've done, these numbers, race wins, top fives, championships. It's really tough to hold anybody – uh, in sports cars, next to your name and your, qualif your, your qualifications, it's just it's fun to watch. And sometimes we get lost in the Max Verstappens of the world when, frankly, what you're doing is beyond bonkers, buddy. Well, it's bonkers because I keep going. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I'm you know, it, I'm not the one thing about racing that's amazing is it, it does tend to keep you young and uh, energized. And, you know, I've. I'm having as much fun right now at this point in my career as I've ever had. Just an absolute blast. Uh, you know, it keeps me young. It keeps me fit. I, I still want to win every single weekend. I, I think until that feeling subsides, I'm going to stay at it. Chris, you hear that a lot from not just race car drivers, but athletes of all sorts, that as long as you're having fun, you stick with it. And when the fun stops is when you'll consider retirement. But racing is all about fun even a disappointing day you kind of look back and say but i'm a race car driver so yeah you could go on for decades more i would imagine i think honestly it's the, the biggest thing is the recovery mm. and uh it's the time and it's the preparation that goes into it and i think that you know we push our bodies so hard in this game uh obviously putting a lot of risk on the line but you've got to be okay with that going in i think more than anything else it's it's really just as long as your eyesight can hold up and that you're you're okay with the travel and that you can recover between the races. Uh, you know, I have a busy life. I, I'm, I'm busy, actively involved in uh, businesses outside of uh, my life at the track. So there's really no let up. And, you know, so I have to dig deep to go racing, but I love every minute of it. Like you said, I mean, anybody who's complaining who's doing this, I think really has to try some other things. Yeah. You know, that is such a good point. I'm not a race car driver by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, as I've gotten older over these last couple of decades, the travel does wear on you just a little bit. I mean, I considered myself invincible two decades ago. Let me take 5,000 red eyes in a year. I'll be fine. But it is different. And yes, the eyesight changes. Dang it, I'm looking at you in this interview right now like this with my arms so stretched out. So yeah, the fact that you are keeping yourself in good shape, you're doing it like that Tom Brady style, mm. eating avocado ice cream or whatever you whatever your secrets are. But it's that just elevates your game. I guess what Kenny was saying with his accolades even more. The fact that you're willing to put mm -hmm. in more effort. It's just hats off to you. It's been an amazing, amazing storyline to watch. Well, the thing that was that's kind of crazy about it, and the thing that I'm so grateful for is that you know, I, probably up five six years ago, I wasn't sure if I was going to road race again. Hmm. Uh, you know, I'd been at it for 15 years. We'd gone through some some factory programs that had been very demanding, uh, and I wasn't sure where my career was going to go. And you know, my family was getting bigger, uh, business commitments were getting heavier, and I'm just grateful that I took that break because it rejuvenated me and it made me really miss the driving. And I think just focusing on the racing and the craft, uh, you know, constantly pushing to get better, just trying to find that extra gear. I think that's what's been the most exciting 
part of this juncture of my career. And the fact that we're going out and getting success, we brought some great new guys into the team. Uh, generationally, there's some turnover, but I'm still going and these guys are still putting great race cars under me. So it, it, it's a lot to be excited about every week. And, and obviously I'm thrilled to have won the, the third straight uh, Trans Am Championship. Uh, you know, with the Jim Weed car up front all year, uh, working with Matt Brabham, you know, just pushing me and, and, and you know, setting the, these benchmarks and kind of trying to reestablish our standard. We had some really competitive uh, entrants in the series this year uh, who pushed us. Uh, these things don't come easily. And, you know, they, they, the, the success drives you. And I don't want to give up the title. I want to hang on to this one. Which is going to make the next couple of years on Mav TV even more fun to watch. Connor Zilich is like knocking at your door, Justin Marks, and you're like, nope, it's mine, baby. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, the best thing about the Trans Am racing is that you can't stand still. This is one of the last bastions of innovation as far as, you know, unapologetic, monstrous cars. We've talked about that on this show before. Uh, kind of goes without saying, but. To be honest, when you really look at it, there's very few series out there right now that allow you to go out and innovate and push the limits and, you know, really encourage high performance. I think our team excels at that challenge, but there's other entrants who are there and, and they, they want to knock us off. But, uh, you know, I say come and get it. You know, this is, uh, this is a game where you've got to be willing to, to stand your ground and fight. And I don't think there's a series that puts on better, better battles and shows than, than the Trans Am series, whether it's the TA series or the TA2. You know, it's action-packed nonstop, and everybody wants to win these weekends. Chris Dyson, I won't ask you how you rank against Rob Dyson, your dad. We <laughs> talked about uh, Mount Rushmore and so forth. Uh, but let me ask you, you've raced Bentley in a series, factory support. You're racing a Mustang now. Uh, your factory support here is limited to none. Uh, is Trans Am better without factories and uh, allowing the innovation that you talked about? Um, I think I think it's a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the, the series is not beholden to an agenda that creates the expectation that there has to be a level and balanced everybody gets a trophy uh, rule set. And by that, I mean, I've competed in series before where if you win and do well for a couple of weekends, you're clipped for a couple more and the other guy gets to win. And I understand from a marketing and you know, perspective of everybody needing to you know, show return on investment. I get that. But at the same time, there's a lot to be said for a situation where it's very high, high level of competition. Uh, the rule book, rule book is, it allows for a lot of different entrants and a lot of different varieties of the manufacturers to come in and all be competitive without having to stage manage it. And I, I think that the, the money and investment that the manufacturers bring to the table is valuable, but I think sometimes it can be, uh, it can be uh, a detriment. And I think the benefit of, of the Trans Am series is that it occupies this special niche historically of knowing exactly what it is which is to say it's it's the it, it's the most historic uh, fastest paced 100 mile sprint race single driver road racing series in the country and it's featuring generally speaking american cars and american drivers and it's a series that's i think of all the racing series that i've raced in one of the best known ones it's got great brand equity uh and i think that that attracts 
entrance and, and it's at a good value point. Uh, and I think that, you know, Tony Perella and uh, the, the folks at Transnet have put together schedules uh, as far as tracks where we're visiting all these historic and iconic venues where there's a lot of history. I mean, decades of history. And you see the entrance, you see the car count, the consistency of participation. Um, you, you absolutely want manufacturers to come in, but I think that it's going to be on the serious terms. And, and I like that because I, I, I know what happens when they come in. And uh, I know what it happens when the series are beholden to them. And thankfully, Trans Am is, is neither of those. Chris Dyson joining us here in the Freak Nation three times in a row. You're Trans Am champion. It's incredible. CD, as always, man, thanks for doing this for us, buddy. Always a pleasure, guys. We'll see you soon. Back with the freaks, Freak Nation, I think. Maybe Mav TV's already cut us off after what happened. The first <laughs> me, me explaining what happened between my Ambien and Jack Daniels and Cokes. And I wasn't driving. I wasn't operating any heavy machinery. Oh, yes, and I'm not advocating this. Phone. I just <laughs> need it. You could have started a war with that heavy <laughs> machinery. <laughs> That's right. I'm just I'm texting a very important person in, in our life. You're right. That was dangerous, Dad. Oh, my gosh. Of course, referencing back to the top of this second hour of the show yeah. in which, yep, Kenny and Ambien, they're not friends. <sighs> not friends at all. <laughs> maybe Sergio maybe maybe Sergio Perez had, had a little Ambien inducement with uh, Bruce Buffer with it. For reigning champions, Red Bull. He's a multiple race winner from Mexico. It's Sergio Chefko. So, so yeah, <laughs> just the reason there's nothing spoken at the end there is because they're just standing there awkwardly. And Buffer, by the way, he just kind of shaking his head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm great. Yeah, I'm clever. great. He, you know, he was he was taken so aback he didn't know what to do. I'm that great. You know that reminds me of Statman. I don't want to dig too deep of a, of a rabbit hole. Where uh, about three or four years into Speed Freaks, we were asked to drive in the goat, Ricky Carmichael, into <laughs> the stadium at Anaheim yes. two or three in our. Cadillac at the time, which was a Cadillac with Longhorns in the front, zebra interior. It made a whole lot of noise without making noise. All right. So all four of us are in the car, but Statman's sitting up on the back seat of this convertible Cadillac. This is a 76 Eldorado next to Ricky Carmichael. And Statman wasn't prepared to talk to Ricky Carmichael on a the stadium with 60,000 people and the reverberation of those speakers being on delay. With Ricky Carmichael, but Statman. Wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! We'd, we'd rehearsed this in the tunnel, right. coming out before the thing, and the guy says, "I'm going to talk to Ricky and I'm going to talk to Kenny." I said, "Cool, I can enjoy the." And the oh. next thing I know, we're out in the middle of the of uh, the stadium, and all of a sudden, I hear Statman. What do you think? I said, "What?" <laughs> I'm not. I'm not thinking at the moment. You told me not to think. No. <laughs> so then now I got to talk, and sound is bouncing all over Southern California, and I'm looking at the 
I'm looking at the screen in the stadium. I said, hey, that's me. What'd you say? You know, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've that's got, why they wear earplugs, and we didn't have them. I am so glad we've got a, a week or two. I don't know. We got next week off. That's all I know, man. And we learned something in the first segment. It's called secondary embarrassment. Yeah, Second, secondhand uh, embarrassment. Yeah, it's uh, it's also called vicarious embarrassment, which I didn't know not about. Vicarious <laughs> embarrassment. You can Google that. That's on Google. Yeah, absolutely. From the Cleveland Health wow. Clinic is when you and explain why we're talking about this for somebody, somebody just tuning in. Richard. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, you told the story about your ambient induced text messages that you had sent to the president of MAV TV right. last evening, mm-hmm. and I was I was very red faced, and I was trying to explain to you that a lot of our folks listening probably got <laughs> secondhand embarrassment from listening to that story. Y'all had no idea what I was talking about. The actual definition is is when you personally experience embarrassment, discomfort, shame, or guilt whenever you witness someone else having an experiment, an experience that's particularly embarrassing or causes them to be viewed negatively. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Vicarious embarrassment. Vicarious embarrassment. That'd make a great T-shirt. Are you that, vicarious? Yes. Embarrassed? Yeah. I can be that way on social media where there's some, no, I'm more, what What do you call not wanting to watch people's like get their legs cut off? What do you call that, Richie? Is that something you millennials have? I can't watch the gory stuff. That's what I can't oh. watch. What is that? Like, oh, the FSU quarterback that his ankle got twisted. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was ugly. That was yeah. ugly. Yeah. yeah I, like, I'm, oh, yeah. I just saw that. And even the announcers of the FSU game, the footage just nobody had previewed it and the quarterback went down and his foot should have been, whoops, his foot should have been this way. It turned this way and they showed it in, in the basically 90 degrees. Yeah. And, and even the announcers, Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't see that, that footage prior to it going to air. We want to apologize to all of you that threw up on the screen. <laughs> so it's uh if you excuse me if you miss the first segment it'll be up on youtube it'll be up on our (laughs) website it's a it's a story that i'm not real proud of but uh, we don't it's not like it's the first time (sighs) how many ambien purchases have shown up at our front door and we're like what what is this listen i'm gonna have people at my i'm gonna have our partners mad tv I'm going to have this freaking amb- an ambulance at our door come Monday morning. Some guy walking up with a straight jacket. <laughs> oh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to go there because it, I'm going to have, I'm going to walk down. That's what's going to happen Monday morning. I'm going to walk down into our living room and there's going to be like 10 people sitting around the couch. Here's going to be like an intervention. Kenny, can you come join us, please? I'm going, hold on, Statman, you were just here. What? What's going on? <laughs> oh, wow. So it, um, I, I, did I mention the first hour? Real quick, uh, Formula One, before we, we got to about three minutes. I I'm, I'm, uh, said this last hour, I believe it was, where I'm curious that the, what do you call it? Hate scrolling on Twitter or X, which, what do you call it? Uh, doom scrolling. Okay. Yeah. Do you think, do you think if people, do you think more people were doom watching? 
Formula One versus people just wanting to see a race because of the debacle that was Thursday and the issues with the hotels, the workers, the city, the lawsuit. We didn't even talk about the damn lawsuit. Oh, that's right. The class action that was filed. <laughs> By how many? Three, 30,000, what? Was it 3,500 people or 30, 35,000 people? That, that, mm, a crap. How do all these people lie. get together to file a claim? Oh, no, 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 no. This was a lawyer that saw this happen, saw people kicked out after right. basically nine minutes of practice. Or no, waiting around for hours and then getting kicked out. Right. This was a lawyer jumping on an opportunity and, well, very well may succeed. Well, listen. No, they can't. Look, we talk about and we laugh about the mob building Los Angeles. Um, uh, Las Vegas, the mob building Las Vegas. Any lawyer who doesn't understand Wall Street doesn't want to deal with Wall Street. That's why Michael uh, Corleone in The Godfather wanted to get out of the mob business and get legit because he could make more money in Wall Street with those characters. Oh, I thought I saw about. I thought I saw about maybe two or three clowns. Uh, that's right. I was up. waiting for the clown conversation. Yes. <laughs> so you think this lawyer is going to be in the in the good or no? No. He, are you kidding? He talk about ambulances showing up at your door. <laughs> so you think F1, regardless of what it says on the back of the tickets, regardless of what absolutely happened on Thursday night, you think there's no case? No, I don't think there's any case. I mean, they, they'll you know, force majeure or something, you know, something out of their control. And they bought a ticket for one session and they're not, they weren't able to stay for this next session. And that's why they got kicked out. Uh, otherwise, they'd have battles with people. If I've got seat 1A for session, session one and somebody else has seat 1A for session two, now you got a riot because nobody, everybody's in the wrong seat. Listen, man, if a woman can make millions of dollars because she pulled in a hot coffee from McDonald's. <laughs> and now they all, all the cups say caution, hot. Richie, what do the millennials call frivolous? Frivolous? Like, okay. a, like being a cheapskate? Is that what you're talking about? No. no. <laughs> well, yeah, it could be, yes. <laughs> Just a, an unnecessary... Like a frivolous lawsuit, an unnecessary lawsuit. Yeah, we didn't even get into the popularity or lack of popularity of green bean casserole with uh, Thanksgiving coming up. Oh, we didn't even do that. damn it. That's on you because that's your favorite dish. Yeah. And yeah, you're ready to munch on it come Thursday. Richie? Green bean casserole. Why? Yeah. Why, why do I look like the freaking alien when I bring that up to you three? <laughs> Jeez, that man up here, you at least have my back. Hell. I like it, but Man, what about mac and cheese and collards and all that? You know, there you go. Green yeah, have some hamburgers while we're at it, okay? <laughs> uh, all right, we, we got to get the hell out of here. Uh, Statman, as always, my friend, shoot the juice to the moose and cut it loose. See ya.